gave me a fake platform worker. Thank you uh, for your giving this morning. Uh, it's a good day. We've got Katrina and, and uh, Eric back in the house. Woo! Uh, they got hit pretty hard with COVID. Amen. They recovered and doing well. Amen. So we thank God for his favor. Hallelujah. Uh, if you get your Bible, Genesis 2. I'm going to start this series. Uh, it's going to be a four-sermon series. It's going to be in both services today, next Sunday, uh, both services as well. Uh, this is going to be a uh, series on the family. I'm going to preach four services in this order. I'm going to preach on men this morning, women tonight, children next Sunday morning, the family next Sunday night. So really, it would help you if you can be here and be a part of this. Even if you're not married yet, not have a family yet, one day you will. Uh, amen. That's just how life works. Uh, uh, so, anyway, one man said, family is not as, a, as an important thing, it's everything. Another man said, speaking of his father, my father used to play with me or with my brother and me in the yard. Mother would come out and say, you're tearing up the grass. We're raising, or we're not raising grass, we're raising boys, the husband replied. A woman said, when God was creating the mother, an angel asked him, why all the extra hours on this one? God said, if you read the specs on this one, she has to be completely washable but not plastic. Have 180 moving parts, all replaceable. Runs on black coffee and leftovers. Has a lab that disappears when she stands up. A kiss that cures everything. Uh, a six pair of arms. The family. There's a lot involved this morning. So let's go to Genesis 2. Talk about being a man this morning, being a man. Genesis 2, we start verse 15. Now, Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat of every tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree the knowledge of good and evil, from, uh, for when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Father, I'm asking you this morning, God, your revelation, God, your anointing upon the word this morning, God, I pray, help us as families, God, as men, women, children, God, help us to honor your word, God, to serve you, God, to be an example in this generation, this generation is desperate, God, for uh, godly families, God, desperate, God, for men that will be men of God, uh, women that will be women of God, help us, I pray today, Give us your mind. Give us dignity in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's talk about manhood first this morning. Manhood is more than turning 18 or 21. You know, in America, you can buy a house, join the military, or buy a car on your own at the age of 18. But 18 doesn't make, make you a man. You know, the world has done its best to confuse what manhood is. Uh, but God's very clear on what manhood is. So I'm going to be using the Bible uh, to show you what God says a man is this morning. I'm only going to highlight three things because in our scripture, God only highlighted three things. We're going to talk about uh, man is commanded by God. A man is, is called to work and get married. The three things are going to help us this morning. So let's talk first. Uh, uh, a man is commanded by God. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man. This word command means under authority. Or in other words, whatever God says, it's yes and amen. So when we read the Bible, we're not reading a novel. 
We're not reading a self-help book. It's a, it's the Word of God. Uh, it's, and, and the Bible is, uh, uh, we have to say as men, yes and amen. But many times we're going to read things and say, God, uh, uh, I don't know. But how many know God's a little smarter than us? You know, He did create the world uh, and, and create humanity and everything else. So he's got he got the advantage on it. <laughs> so when we read the Bible, we're not just reading a novel. We're not reading, a, oh, that's a nice book. We're reading the Word of God, uh, the creator of this world. So, a uh, man, we have to be uh, under authority, under command. Yeah. So this is the first uh, thing, and the Lord commanded the man. Now, this is a common thread running throughout Scripture in Genesis 6. God speaks to Noah, and God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both man and earth. Uh, uh, so uh, the next God told uh, him to make an ark in the next few Scriptures or verses there. God began to tell him how to prepare this ark. Uh, again, this didn't make any sense. It hasn't rained up to that point. They don't know what rain is. Uh, water would come from the ground and wet the earth and do. Uh, uh, but they had no idea what rain was. But God said, rain's going to come down. We're going to destroy uh, the earth. But no, you're to do this. Build an ark. Uh, and verse 22 says, Noah did everything just as God commanded. Uh, so Noah's going completely against the common knowledge of man. Uh, at that point, he's building this ark uh, that's humongous. looks like... Uh, you know, a ship on ground, and but God said to do it. God commanded him, and he did it. Genesis 12, God commands Abraham. Uh, the Lord God said to Abraham, Go from your country, uh, your people, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation. Uh, and verse 4, and Abraham went as the Lord had told him. Uh, so no argument, no how comes and why you simply did what God said to do. You know, being under command is not always as big as building an ark and going to another nation. Second Kings 5, Elisha tells Naaman, go dip yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored uh, and you shall be cleansed. If you know this story there, he's uh, got leprosy. Uh, he's going to God for healing. The command was simply go to the Jordan and dip seven times uh, and you'll be healed. That doesn't make sense to the natural man, right? We say, go to the doctor, they give you medicine, they give you some uh, treatment. Maybe uh, the, the command was go to the river, dump seven times, or dip seven times, uh, and you'll be healed. And the Bible said in verse 14, so he went down, dipped himself in Jordan seven times, the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean, uh, like uh, that of a young boy. So we're talking about being under command. Luke chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus said to Peter, Watch out to the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Peter answered and said, We're twelve all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, that's your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish that their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats up, so they began to sink. Amen. So it was a command. Peter, just go do this. Uh, amen. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. He did it uh, and got the rewards. You know, today something, today it might be quite uh, not a something as big. It may be just something God may say, quit playing video games. 
So God may not be trying to build an ark, but he can say, quit playing video games. So, so uh, go dip seven times in a river. Go uh, cash your net on the other side. Quit playing video games. Or get off social media. Them two things give men a lot of trouble. And God will speak to us as men uh, uh, to get us out of troubles. What happened? Uh, no, build an ark. I'm going to get you out of this mess. Uh, Abraham, go. Uh, leave your father's house. Go to another. And God's looking out for them. Uh, today, there's men spend all kinds of time on videos. I had the uh, statistics, I don't have them with me, but uh, I mean, it was like four hours a day. A lot of men are spinning on video games. They're at work, instead of working, they're playing a game. As they're walking down, uh, you know, the hall, whatever, they're playing a video game. The boss sees me, I heard, put it away, but, you know, they're, I'm like, God said, put your video game away. Are you under his command? Come on. He may say, again, get off social media. I've never had a Facebook account. I've never had a Twitter account. I wouldn't know how to do it. Uh, but there's so many dangers there. I have men tell me all the time just the stuff that's on it. Uh, and uh, I'm like, I don't want anything to do with it. God may tell you to spend more time with your wife. Sometimes I like to ask, why, when's the last time your husband took that? When's the last time he bought you something? I'm not trying to beat up the men, but I'm trying to get some info. Uh, and I'm trying to help men this morning. Or make more time available to God. God still speaks. It may just not be building an ark, uh, but it's something that you need this morning. So you know what? When men do what God says, it always works out. Noah and his family are saved. Abraham's descendants inherited the land. Naaman is cleansed and healed. Uh, Peter catches a great number of fish. Let me ask you, how is your obedience today, man? How is your com under command working out? Is it a yes and amen? God, just speak to me. A lot of times we come to the altar and we say, God, whatever you say, I'm doing. How is that today? Once you get up and leave the altar, leave church, uh, uh, is that still good? You don't know for 120 years kept that. Some men can't keep it a week. Gotta put down the video game, bro. That's good for a day. You know, when, when men quit disobeying God or quit obeying God, bad things happen. Genesis 6, verse 7 says, The Lord said, I was white from the earth, or from the face of the earth, the human race I've created uh, with them all the animals, birds, creatures uh, of the ground. And it goes on and on. Saul, the Bible says, was tormented by evil spirit. And now it says, if I were killed at the altar, bad things happen. Uh, when we get where we can just say, we're not going to do what God says to Two, after God commanded the man, he put him in a place of labor. You know, men work. A man of God works. I should have got three more hands. The Bible said the Lord took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. You know, there's so much that happens in a man's life at work. There's so much that happens in a man's life at work. One, uh, we're learning to value time. Listen, uh, this affects everything in life. If you win the battle of time, you can get up out of bed uh, and be on time. Uh, that's half the battle. Uh, when most bosses just want somebody to show up. 
show up on time uh, and be ready to work. So if you can get timing right, uh, you can come to church on time, you can get ministry. Uh, listen, when you don't get time right, you can't leave. I don't know any leader that doesn't have their time worked out. Two, a man learns to follow instructions from another man. Now, I've had some difficult uh, uh, bosses before. Somebody help me here. But I've learned from them. On a job, you have to learn how to follow instructions uh, to get the job done. The boss doesn't care what you think. Uh, He just cares about the job being done. I'm going to try to tell your boss a better idea. (laughs) I don't care about your better idea. Get the job done. And God knew that that would be good for a man. Uh, A man has to learn these things. Uh, First, he has to learn how to to be on time. He has to learn how to uh, get some instruction from another man. Three, he has to rub shoulders with other men. You know, a job you learn uh, to work through the attitudes and courts of other men. How many had to work on the center line before or uh, around other men? uh, And the attitudes, I mean, just the differences, uh, uh, it's difficult, isn't it? And you have to learn how to get a job done through difficult men. uh, uh, But God said to do it. And plus, you learn you're not always right. You work with rude and unpleasant men sometimes, uh, but it's good for you. This is good for a man. Fourth, he learns responsibility. The boss holds him accountable, put the tools back in place, right? Work has to be accomplished. Doesn't matter how you feel, you want to go home, work has to be done. Six, you're rewarded uh, for your hard work, you get a paycheck, right? That's what's always the best part about work, amen? Friday, the paycheck. Uh, you get the money in your pocket uh, and you know you've earned it. You know, my father was the most spiritual man growing up, but he did teach me and my brother to work. If you wanted something, you're going to work for it. I remember, you know, as kids, you want a lot. My dad said, well, the grass has to be mowed, the garden has to be Done. My mom had a garden. Uh, lots of stuff had to be done. We lived in the country, but you know he'd pay us. We work. He'd pay us, uh, and we enjoyed that. Uh, it's a paycheck. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. Those who work their land will have an abundance of food. Matthew twenty verse four. Jesus told them, "Go also away and work in the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right." Uh, so God's behind work. Third, God told the man to get married. He said, a man needs a wife. The Lord said to the man, it's not good for a man to be alone. And I can amen. You talk to men that's been single for a long time. God said, it's good for a man to get married. Amen. So I will make I will make a helper suitable for him. You know, marriage shows a man a couple things. One, it shows a man how to love the care be concerned for someone else. Men are pretty selfish. Uh, I remember before I got married, I was all about me. I was all about my car, my wheels, uh, my pipes had to uh, make a certain sound, uh, my clothes, uh, my, my motorcycle. It was all about me. But I got married, I was only 18 too, and I got married. Uh, I had a rude awakening. Uh, uh, I had to start sharing some things. 
<laughs> I started being concerned about a wife uh, that actually loved me, that actually wanted to be there. Uh, I had to learn how to be concerned now about her. Then we had a child come along, had to be had to learn how to be concerned about a beautiful little girl God gave me. She's here today serving God. Amen. And now she got a beautiful little girl. But a man has to learn these things and learn through marriage. Verse 23. man said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He shall, she shall be called woman. He got a revelation here. In the Bible, woman indicates nobility, character, one to admire and respect, one who has influence and power. Adam's looking at his wife and said, man, she's a beauty. And he realized, listen, she's going to be good for me. Uh, she's going to complete me. Uh, I, and I know the wives will run you wrong sometimes, man. Right. And they may say things that you don't like, but uh, Adam had the revelation, had the sense to say, you know, she has some wisdom here. Mm -hmm. I need to respect that and and and, 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 be, and thank God for her. Adam knew that she would complete him, make him a better person. Next time you get mad at your wife, just think about when you were single. You're all frustrated. You're all mad. I need to get married. Remember that. Come on. You know, I've seen some rough, mean, selfish men get married. And become the most caring people in the church. I mean, I've seen you've seen before this the man comes in, he's all burly, kind of mean, rough. He's married, and he's like, oh man, this little baby, you know. That's what marriage can do to a man. You know, Proverbs 18 22, he finds a wife, finds a good thing, and receives favor from the Lord. Allow your favor, man, on your life is because you're married. Because you're, you have a wife, and God's going to favor your life. You're Proverbs 19, 14. House and wealth are inheritance from parents, but a prudent wife uh, is from the Lord. If you've got a godly, faithful wife, you better be faithful. <laughs> Proverbs 31, we know the story there. Let me look secondly. i got to move quick. Most of God's men, or, or, or let me say, Men of God must get dominion over their flesh. We have to get dominion over our flesh. It says here, you're free to eat from every tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You've got to get dominion over this flesh. To be a man of God that God called me to be, I had to be hard on this flesh. I still have to be hard on this flesh. Uh, to be the man that God calls me to be, uh, I have to deal with this guy. I can be hard on the flesh. Uh, Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul said it this way. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. To be a man of God, you have to get out of your feelings, one. Amen. Let me stay on this one for a minute. You can't wear your emotions on your sleeves. When you live by emotions, you lose dominion. Uh, men, uh, uh, you know, always offended. I'm, I'm upset. I'm offended. I'm like, come on. Yeah, everything offends them. Everything in marriage, everything, uh, you know, they're always, they're, they're, you know, their emotions are on their sleeves. 
run the wrong way, you don't see me church for a week or two, uh, they're offended. If you lose dominion when you live like that. You know, there's a term we used to say when I was a disciple growing up, and that term was man up. What man up meant uh, uh, was quit whining, pouting, and complaining. We'd say, oh, poor man. That's disciple talk. Oh, poor man. Uh, uh, man, uh, quit whining. I don't want to hear you whine. I want to hear you complain. Uh, let's talk about Jesus. Talk about living in a city or a nation. Uh, quit whining. Alright. First Kings 2 2. David's about to die. He tells Solomon, who's going to take his place on the throne, he said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong. Act like a man. Listen, when you're in ministry, you lose the right to whine. You know, when you're in place of authority, you lose the right to, to complain and whine and cry and where your feelings are in your sleep. You don't have that right Joshua 1. Joshua was about to lead God's people into the promised land, verse 7. God's instructions to Joshua be strong and be very courageous. In other words, be a man. If you're going to lead people, if you're going to lead my people across the promised land into destiny, you can't be uh, uh, you know, all about feelings. You can't be all about they offended me, uh, they looked at me wrong. Come on. The Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul said this way. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, you should have some pride in it. When I became a man, Look in the mirror sometime now. I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a man. Tell, tell you why. So tell me I'm a man. <laughs> why maybe? Yeah, you're a man. <laughs> he said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Uh, or I put wearing my feelings on my sleeve. You know when boys, uh, you know, if you have a brother, you're always fighting. You always run the mom because you get a scratch and bleed and you get a black eye, broken nose or something. Uh, that's what brothers do. And if you got a, a mean sister like I had, she gets in the mix too. <laughs> I remember one time I came to the house, my head split open. Uh, my wife or my mom said, What happened? I said, My sister hit me with an iron. <laughs> oh, poor thing. She said, What did you do? <laughs> I grew up pretty quick. <laughs> you know, but I wonder if Adam's emotion is what led him to take from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because Adam had everything together. He was under God's command. He knew the word of God. He was working. He was married. But when you live by feelings, you make bad decisions. He was in place as he should have been. Uh, but I know men that when their feelings are not in order, uh, you make bad decisions. First Kings 21. The story of Ahab. He wanted to buy Naboth's vineyard. And Naboth, the man of God, said, No, the Lord forbid that I should give my inheritance uh, of my ancestors. And Ahab went home pouting, the Bible says, angry, because what Naboth said, uh, Here's a king that's never been told no and sit down. Be quiet. Here's a king that didn't get his way, 
He goes home, crawls up on his bed, he's crying and pouting. Uh, his wife sees him, uh, what's wrong, poor baby? Uh, uh, you know, starts patting him on the back a little bit. Eh? And Nabal wouldn't show him his vineyard. Really? You're a king and that's what you're crying about? You know the full story there, he ends up losing uh, his kingdom and his life over this. Now, careful, men. Your feelings can take a lot away from you. You know, the truth there's going to be times in ministry when you're offended. Let me ask you, you're going to crawl up, go home and crawl up on your bed and eat soap, wine, or are you going to be a man? Are you going to man up? Any times in your marriage where your wife. You're going to get your way or be all in your emotions and say horrible things to her. To treat her bad because you didn't get your way. So it didn't work. You get to buy something. You know, dominion over the flesh takes right doing. It doesn't just happen. You're going to wake up one morning and all of a sudden be a man that has everything in order. You know, Adam could have said no when the fruit was offered to him. He could have said no. He could have said, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm going to be a man of God. He could have went to God and covered his wife, I believe, uh, and found forgiveness and redemption. He could have done that. I tell men today, listen, you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to do that. Uh, you could have said no. One thing I've learned as a disciple and as a pastor, spiritual strength doesn't just happen. Listen, saying no to sin and yes to the will of God takes a strong prayer life, it takes strong convictions, and three, it takes a commitment to God. Then three things are developed over time. Uh, so you're not going to wake up one day and say, hey, I'm a man. But you can't be one. Get in the corner. I wonder if the Apostle Paul had this thought in mind. When you better be quiet so I take care of the church. When we get down to 13, he said, There's plenty full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Paul may have been looking at some of the men that have crumbled, some of the men that have failed, some of the men that had compromised uh, and given up spiritual ground. Uh, and he's writing this, maybe if this is in mind, listen, you've got you to have some spiritual things going on here. You've got to have a prayer life. You're going to have to, and he goes on to say in 15, or verse 14, stand firm and put on the belt of truth around your waist, the brace, the breastplate of righteousness in place, verse 15, and your feet feathered uh, with the righteousness to come. Uh, amen. In other words, you have to put on some things here. If you're going to be a man of God that has some dominion, if you're going to have some strength, you have to put on this stuff. Uh, it's not going to just happen. Look last year, pleasing God. Our text here. God made such an investment to Abraham and Adam's life, and he blew it. Think about all the investment that God made in this man. I mean, God created the world basically for him. God created this world, I mean, everything he needed, uh, and God put him there. Basically, enjoy life. Enjoy serving me, enjoy life, uh, and he blew it. 
You know, but we've all blown it. Got emotional, said the wrong things, did the wrong things. We've all been there. I've had men come to me and say, Pastor, and I said to them, my wife, I shouldn't say. Can't take it back. Nope. You blew it, but you would fix it. We've all heard the saying, God's a God of second chances, and he is. God is a redeemer. He's full of redemption. Luke chapter 15 is a picture of our Heavenly Father, verse 17. When the young man came to his senses, he said, I will say to my Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. But while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The father said to the servant, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted cow and kill it. Uh, let's have a feast and celebrate. You are pleasing God repentance. Because through repentance comes restoration. Uh, it's to bring the best robe, put it on him, put a finger or a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Uh, you break this down, this is a picture of redemption. The robe was uh, the Father's character, power, and dominion. When he wore that robe, uh, they connected him to the Father, to the Father's house. When he knew the robe, when he wore the robe, everybody knew uh, whose son he was. What family he was a part of, the ring uh, was an emblem of wealth, position, and honor. Uh, when they sing that, when they sing the ring, uh, they knew that, well, that's his son. He has the ring, he has the position, the honor, the power uh, with the, the, the shoes uh, per, uh, was represented a, a future uh, a future ahead or a future service actually. Yeah. Or now you have another future, you can go back in the field uh, and build and labor again. And the feast uh, was a picture of a hungry heart being the field. This is a picture of redemption. Uh, listen, man, God knows that we're not perfect. We say things and do things. Uh, but listen, we can be a man. We don't have to keep making the mistake over and over and over. Uh, I've learned that uh, in marriage, expect my wife's smarter than what I used to give her credit for. <laughs> Sometimes I'll just sit back and watch her do her thing, uh, and I'll take the credit for it later. No. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Uh, no. When people say, hey, Pastor, that looks nice, I said, oh, thanks, but my mind, my wife did. <laughs> you, know, you know, God's not done with it yet. You know, think about this son in, in uh, Luke 15. He probably went back into the Father's field, and if he's anything like uh, Matthew 25, uh, the man that received the talent, maybe he gave him some resources again, go back, and maybe like him, he invested and went back to work and got to uh, great increase again. You know, in our text, Adam and Eve, Adam blew it, but he recovered. He ends up having a, uh, a faithful marriage. You never see the problem again. Their sons in chapter 4 are, are raised, right? Because they uh, present an offering before the Lord, so they had to have some conviction. They have to have some righteousness in them. Uh, so they've done a good job. So the truth is, maybe you've blown it this morning. Listen, we have a faithful God. Uh, 
uh, that can restore you and I. Let me close here this morning. Being a man. A man is somebody that's under authority. Listen, does God's word have authority over your life as a man? If you say, I'm a man of God, that means you're under command. That means whatever God says in that word, I'm committed to. Doesn't matter what I think, how I feel, God's word has the authority over my life. What it says about my marriage, what it says about my morals, what it says about my work ethics, the word of God is the command. Does God have that right in your life? Or do I let me play my video game first? Talk about emotions. Listen, you can't wear your emotions on your sleeves. Where everything's offensive. I mean, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're always offended. I don't mean like it. It's always offended. You gotta walk on eggshells. Age. Never seen that wrong because they may crack. <laughs> they may get all emotional. Pastor hates me. You know, no, I just want to be you're right. Well, that's if you repent, this is going to help you. Let's bow our heads this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. But there's